Fuck it, let's go. Hello and welcome to the dinner and a movie Valentine's Day extravaganza podcast. podcast start of beginning of podcast. <laughs> Begin the podcast. Hello, podcast. So we uh, we watched a shit ton of romances and things on, on Valentine's Day with with the express intention of doing this with it. And um, and and we had a good time. We did. I mean, it was great for me. I actually got you to watch our romantic comedies, which doesn't normally happen. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I, if if there's gonna be any time per year that <laughs> I'll remember that in future, I'll just save them up. <laughs> You're gonna get away with it to to one degree or another. But we we each picked two films and we watched some a, a couple bits of TV in between. And uh, fuck it, let's let's talk. Bob's Burgers first, we watched a couple of the Valentine's Day specials. Which we have seen before. Be under no illusion, we have watched them again. <laughs> like, we've watched them before, but... Oh, it just... Oh, I love them. It's one of our favourite cartoons on TV, because it's just such a, like... It doesn't go to all these massively... Like, they're wacky places, but they're not big in, in scope or scale. Yeah, it's not like Rick and Morty or something like that, where you just never know what's going to happen. It's pretty... Well, Rick and Morty like gets away with it because by design it's a, it's a sci-fi show. But when you have The Simpsons and like yeah, they're going to fucking <laughs> like even even Homer in space is like <laughs> it's very it's a very dumb uh, like it's a it's a fun episode but it's very dumb. Whereas Bob's but, Burger stays pretty like grounded, I'd say. Yeah, it's it's very honest uh, through that as well in the in the things it gets to do and the, the way it depicts the characters but each time we watch it it is it's it's weirdly horrifying because I think it's just a vision of where our lives are going to be in about five years we do just to clarify we do want to open some kind of food business eventually and um that in itself is just like, yeah, I can see us doing this. But just the little details of their conversations. You're saying five years' time. We have them now. We do. We had the whole conversation before watching this Valentine's one about eating strawberries. And then that scene in the Valentine's episode where she's trying to force him to eat a strawberry. <laughs> yeah, she, she, Linda comes along and, and she's trying to be all sexy-like. <laughs> and I can't remember what exactly she's trying to do. It's sexy like, cooking. Sexy cooking, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it's while Bob's working, <laughs> like in front of the little fucking like peephole that they have in the in the kitchen. Like Teddy's out there, just like listening to everything, <laughs> cheering them on. And uh, she's like, "Sexy cooking, <laughs> come on, Bobby, <laughs> find the strawberry. <laughs> I've hidden it somewhere." <laughs> And yeah, it's it's just a r real snapshot of <laughs> us. <laughs> we won't go into why, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Bear in mind that you if don't like listen... strawberries. <laughs> if they're listening to these, I, I, I really, <laughs> I really do think they already know why. <laughs> but the, honestly, I had never would have thought anything of that scene. If it hadn't been like the day before when we'd been having this stupid conversation, I'm like, this is us. And that's what I love about Bob's Burgers. Like, I just recognise so much of the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. 
It's very strange because, like, I I think not not to all of them, but at least to some of our friends, we do have a weirdly like parental <laughs> yeah. air anyway. We're either the same age as them or not much off, but we still end up fulfilling this role of like mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> But because we have these, we have all these fun little bickerments and, and <laughs> sass in each other, and generally I'm pretty like downbeat, <laughs> and you're incredibly up. I try. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I often do cut cut them out and let you have your dignity to a point, but the amount of times you'll just start like singing a song because it's you're doing a thing and it deserves a song. <laughs> What is life without a song? <laughs> <laughs> but if something you enjoyed it so much, sing about it. Why not? I suppose. But yeah, ev- like every time we watch Bob's Burgers, there is a lot of <laughs> you. You are Linda. I am Linda, and like I didn't recognise it as much as now that you're here to point it out to me. But <laughs> 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 I'll do things and. Like the singing, for instance, or me humming to a tune for some reason. Like these things, I never would have noticed. They're things you do and you don't spot them until someone's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Why? <laughs> Why are you doing this?" And it, I now I notice them. So watching Linda, I was like, "Oh crap! <laughs> Everything is the same." <laughs> well, I, it, that's the weird thing about my life because. I, like I notice these things on like not just you but everyone in my life like I, I I love people's weird little eccentricities and their fucking just moments where like I love you for it but I'm gonna give you a look <laughs> I, you're you're getting a look <laughs> like I I do find it where a lot of people we know they'll get into a thing and then they'll stop because they've realised I'm giving them the look <laughs> and like yeah <laughs> you're doing the you thing right now yes yes you do love to, to point them out I do but I mean the Valentine's one there were a few moments in there but and that is the one we're meant to be talking about but I think I first noticed it in the Christmas episode because you are as, as Christmas obsessed as Linda yeah, and it was the having to her throw away three trees before Christmas because she puts up so early, and I could see us doing that at some point. <laughs> it will happen. I'm lucky in a sense that I have asthma, so a real tree isn't really going to happen. On the other hand, having it up since, well, you wanted it up. I think we had it. I think we had ours up before Thanksgiving. This no, year. no. This year you made me put it up late and it was the 1st of December. That is as early as it should be. No, because then you've only got December to enjoy it. What is the point of that? Just, just going back to the, the Valentine's to episode. like, and, there, and there's so many little bits that is so weirdly specific. Like, I can very much imagine the people in the restaurant literally opposite our house, which there is one of. <laughs> yes. It's not Italian, but there is one. I can imagine them fucking suddenly catching, like, me giving you a little clumsy <laughs> striptease or, like, a... Yes. <laughs> I hope that happens one day. <laughs> it's... It's horrifying how real they've captured yeah. our lives. Yeah, in Before every we way. even met. Or maybe just how we've filled in those roles, having met each other. 
Just her little weird lines with Linda. The way that Bob reacts to it is just so you and me. Yeah. It's just she'll come up with these random things that to me I'm like, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Where everyone else is <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> It, I mean, it's worth noting Linda was my favourite character in Bosburgers anyway. Aww. So I'm, I'm glad I, I found... You found a Linda. My Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. We should talk about... It's just, that's the thing that takes it out for me. It's just why I love those episodes. Because it's, it's not any big stories. There's no... They don't go anywhere, like, amazing, like you said. But it's just the little conversations and the little bit of realism in there. Like, oh, I love you. <laughs> like, <laughs> even down to the bit of like where where Teddy was trying to open the Valentine's gift, <laughs> <laughs> just because he sat there and he's, he's their friend, and he's like, "Oh, let me let me open it." Like, come come on, come on, let me see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, 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 but I do think a lot of people can relate in these yeah. ways to Bob's Burgers because it's it's a great fucking show. Yeah, it's just it's just everyone you know basically. No one changes that much. No one's that out of the ordinary. You recognise people. You're like in that completely. All the plans once they have and yeah. get like is. It, you can see people you know not just doing something like down those lines but just doing that that like this episode she creates a valentine's calendar to basically give him pointers of what she's gonna want and i love a plan and i love a list and i love to know what's happening so i can imagine me being like yeah this is what you're doing this day which is romantic this is what you're doing this day which is romantic <laughs> Sexy cooking is on there. <laughs> I can also imagine, like, you sitting down and being like, Oh, you're like it today, it's a striptease. <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, no, that could be, that could be fun. And you're, <laughs> you just say, Yep, so off you go. <laughs> I know what's coming as well. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was a, it was a, it, it, a a nice way to start the day. Yeah. But yeah, that was Bob's Burgers, and that's gonna be a little SoundCloud or wherever the audio only places I've been able to put this up uh, exclusive part. Um, but next up we've got a uh, Notting Hill. It was uh, I, I I'll admit I it, it, I've seen fucking Notting Hill before. Um, but it's it's fine. I disliked it more than I remembered. I was the one that made us watch this. And I was the only one, I was the one like halfway through, it was like, I'm not bothered. Do you want to turn it off? <laughs> but we, we, we did stick we it persevered. out in the end. We, uh, we got all the way through, all the way through the the Hugh Granting and the Richard Curtising and Yeah, the Richard Curtising. <laughs> yeah, it's every, everything in this film. <laughs> very, very, very neat and clean London. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was. The, it was the peak. It let's was... call it for a lot of um, the half-assed fucking people involved. <laughs> yeah, it is. Rewatching it, it's just a miracle that Hugh Grant was ever considered a sex symbol. Well, like, I this this movie came out when I was six. I 
remember this being fucking huge. It was. It was massive. It was huge. I was prime Notting Hill, like, target, really. I was a teenage girl, so I was like... <laughs> I was what they were aiming for. <laughs> and it was huge. It was the biggest film that year, I think. But then it got overshadowed by Julia Roberts not shaving her armpits. I mean, I, I, was, I was watching the... Let's call it film of equal value uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace this year. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, in cinemas, spilling ice cream on myself. Um, but yeah, but this, this film... And it remained, like, it, for a good few years afterwards, it, it really did remain like a, a, a touchstone for fucking... I mean, it still is. There's British no denying this. But it's shit. It's not... Look. Look. It's not as good as I remembered. I still wouldn't say shit. It's still enjoyable in its way. Who doesn't enjoy the foppishness every now and then? (laughs) (laughs) And seeing the London... Being a Londoner, seeing London as we've never seen it. Yeah, with with um, a incredibly uh, white Notting Hill. Yes, incredibly white. Let's, like, let's start there. Like, <laughs> start that as a jumping off point. Yeah, no, it is sanitized beyond belief. Like they just remove any kind of any color. Not sanitized, pure old like. Uh, uh, let's call it. This is this is Richard Curtis's version of London, in which there has been a racial fucking, like, end times. Yeah. And somehow white people came out on top. <laughs> like I I do not understand what <laughs> what version of Notting Hill he thinks he is uh, directed or or written, but. God damn, it's yeah. so white. It's so white. I mean, this is not a new thing. People have been saying this about, like, Notting Hill for weddings and a funeral for years. Because it's... They're not wrong. There are no minorities in this at all of any kind. Oh, I lie. <laughs> there is one teeny tiny little semi-cameo. Yes, no, there is. <laughs> there is one teeny tiny cameo by a teeny tiny homage <laughs> Oh, young Omid. Yeah, very, very young Omid. Um, and he is in the film for literally three seconds. And, like, it, it, this is admittedly before he'd really done anything, but he was still a stand-up and shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he but he still... wasn't known at that point, I don't think, even for his stand-up. Like, this is... the Like, blink and you will miss it. Yeah. He, this was before Gladiator, before any, anything... Like, this the same year as The Mummy, you said, right? I believe so, yeah. But it is so... <laughs> so hilariously tiny. And, like, I think I must have missed him the first time I watched this film. Because I, I turned to you and I was like... Did they go back in, like, the fucking restaurant or any... Or is he is literally just in it for three seconds? And he's gone. And you were like, he's gone. Yeah, no, that was it. Because I remember, like I said, The Mummy came out the same year as this, and I really love The Mummy. It's one of my favourite films. I remember watching The Mummy and then seeing Notting Hill and being like, what? What? that's that guy. That's that guy from The Mummy who's in it for, like, all of a second. <laughs> so now it's stuck in my mind. Like, that is the teeniest, tiniest cameo ever. Yeah. And there's also... A- I mean, there's a couple of just weird little cameos from from English comedy people. Um, 
so the, I can't remember his ni- name, but the guy who plays Tom Boss in A Touch of Cloth? Oh, the yes, ginger yes, guy yes, yes, yes. Who's in oh, the lift. What is his name? The guy from Green Wing as well. Yes, oh, that's what he's from. Google. Google away. Google. But he, he's in it. He, he shows up when, when Hugh Grant's. Uh, he he sneaks into the uh, like the press conference, not a conference, junket. but where they, that's it, the junket. Um, but the moment where uh, he's going through and interviewing all the people as as the rep- <laughs> fake representative for Mane and Tail, I believe it was Horse and Hound. Horse and Hound. Horse and Hound. Get it right. His name is Julian Ryan Tut. That's what he's called. But yeah, he. <laughs> He shows up for, like, it's not even a comedic role, is the other part. No. Having seen these guys, like... They were just extras. We're, like, we're, we're basically giving them more than, like... They're one step up from extra work. Like, I'm into Julia, I'm sure it was, that would be considered extra work for the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, yeah, no, they're not doing any kind of comedy role. There's no comedy slant to his scene, even, really, other than Hugh Grant. And, like... Let's be honest, Hugh Grant is not a comedy slant in any way. No. Um, but next night, I made notes during these because obviously I was going to make notes. Um, <laughs> my next note, which very much links on, is some actors' careers only exist in Richard Curtis films. <laughs> or did for a very long time at the very least. Like... Um, the the girl who plays his sister, the one from Vicar of Dibley. Yes. Um, <laughs> whose name is not known to anyone, I think. But no. she, I, I've genuinely I've only, only seen her, her in Richard Curtis things. I mean, you just, like, I don't know why my brain didn't connect the two, but now you've said it, it's the woman from Vicar of Dibley and I never realised it. <laughs> It's that it's that cool girl fucking late nineties hair. Yeah. That <laughs> the quirky girl. Oh lord. There were air quotes involved when I said that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Richard Curtis does not write in subtle ways. No. Um, like. And it is not a subtle film, like from beginning to end. And uh, quick side note: I had completely forgotten that there is like. They narrate it for about 20 minutes and then give up. He Doesn't he pop back in every now? I think it's like when he's doing, they're doing the, the Notting Hill montage where there's no ethnics, as we've discovered. <laughs> um, <laughs> he does it then. And I think he does it through those scenes throughout the film. But other than that, it's not in any other part of the film. <laughs> Is it even then, though? I thought it was. I thought it was just the song playing. And then oh, walking through. the second through. one, yeah. No, the, yeah, there is one where it's just the song playing. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't fucking like start with a monologue of a fucking voiceover narration because you can't think how to engagingly tell your story and then give up on it in twenty minutes because you can't think of anything else to say. I was going to say it's just because they realised that character had nothing to say. <laughs> this brings us quite nicely onto fucking Hugh Grant, <laughs> and like, <laughs> see, I love Hugh Grant. From Bridget Jones onwards. Whereas you can imagine that's the Hugh Grant as he actually is. It was just a bit... Of a shit? Of a... Yes. Yeah, to put it ever so far upon it. Yes. 
I like Hugh Grant from like um, the pirate captain in the fucking Ardman <laughs> movie onwards because that's when he's you know not just pulling so far as I can see the same fucking shtick just with a different script yeah which he basically is in those as well yeah so up until point you had four weddings to say Notting Hill where he was the affable foppish upper middle class English guy who like, was just a gentleman and then you had him Bridget Jones on where he's done ever since where he's just a bit of a lech yeah you know what there's one film I don't mind him in because it's not like it's not a great film but it's alright about a boy yeah but that would have been Bridget Jones era onwards so I'm counting that in that okay, era okay yeah because that's 2000 or something yeah something like that um but yeah but this is peak this is peak Grant twatterness yes like the <laughs> the kind of foppy curtain hairstyle the lot that this is him at his peak the super sellable fucking Not... wank stone. Yeah, basically. But he does it very well. Like, Ryan Reynolds could have gone that way, and he's dovetailed out of it splendidly, but, like, there was a point where he was just that fucking guy. Yeah. Well, like, your, 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 your Channing Tatum is maybe a better example. Where yeah. It's a very different school of thought for a rom-com. Um... I'm not going to say better or worse because I hate them both, but um, <laughs> no, but he's make you love them. <laughs> he's just that guy for America, you know. Yeah. And the other thing with this movie and Hugh Grant, him being paired with Julia Roberts, there yes. is zero chemistry. Like none. None. They look like they barely like you can imagine they barely spoke to each other outside of filming their actual scenes. There is nothing. I may be wrong, and obviously I have no idea whether they did or not. But it, it definitely looks that way. I had this down as a note. Uh, no chemistry between them at all. It's not really selling their individual relationship as being great. Just the pure idea of being in one. And it, maybe that is the, 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 the point of them. Is that you can... It, it's like that scale along which, like, from the uncanny valley through to pure cartoon. And, like, there's a point along that line of anyone's face late, uh, female faces male faces whatever there's there's like a peak ability to be able to throw yourself onto them mentally and i think it might be stick man yeah and that's that's what you're looking at it's just two stick men <laughs> one with the the little like female toilet sign skirt just fucking being awkward at each other and well, I you said that's the whole point of them. You want them bland enough so you can picture yourself in the scenarios or picture yourself with the other person. Like, that's the whole... It's purely projection, these films. Like, it's wish fulfillment. and Purely projection, but this one, more than most, seems to be aiming at, like, really sad people who just have <laughs> only awkward interactions. Not only with, like, their ro any romantic interest, but also the usual people in their lives. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Ukraine is, oh god, he's just so bland. He is. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie, we're sitting here talking about Notting Hill, and I spent the last five minutes trying to remember what the character's name was called. Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is definitely they didn't call him Hugh. I know that. <laughs> he was. He was. William. William. Oh God. William yeah, Thacker. That's... And I can only remember that because the, the the journalist at the end says it. 
<laughs> that is the only reason I remember this character's name. Yeah, no, there's a joke about one of the the replacement girls he uses to try and, you know, get over the film star he mumbled at awkwardly for two days and then didn't see again. Yeah. Like, there's a moment where she makes a joke about, Alright, Willie! Yes, that's it, yeah. Even she stood out more than him. I can't remember Julia Roberts' name either. Anna Scott. That one I do remember. <laughs> Let's talk about the idea that she, like, obviously Julia Roberts is a star. Yeah. Let's talk about Anna Scott, because she's not one. <laughs> oh, come on, that, there's some, there's some big looking pictures in what they show of her. There's one where she's in space and she's all in that very tight spacesuit. That doesn't excuse the three films, or possibly more, uh, that they show within the film. Because they look shit. They do. There's there's the art film. Which is in black and white, so you know it's an art film. Where she's she, she's wandering around and the guy's telling her to smile. Which, like, that's not an art... If that's what Richard Curtis thinks an art film is... <laughs> it's why it's, it's Richard Curtis. It's, it's an explanation why he's never made art. <laughs> smile. No. Smile. <laughs> no. I have nothing to smile about. <laughs> Will you marry me? Smile. Good you should make it God. even creepier. Kudos. <laughs> <laughs> it was creepy, man. It was like, creepy. What's the fucking Mrs. Robinson film? The Graduate. Yeah. Like, it was like the opposite of The Graduate. Where, at the end... <laughs> They're, they're both sat there on the bus, like, and we've done this thing, and... Oh, oh no. God. <laughs> Where the fuck do we go from here? It was like that without the art, or the fucking realisation, and it's just like, Okay. I can smile now. <laughs> so what are the films? So we've got the very poor art movie we've got the one that's mentioned where she's reading the script it sounds like just basically a big blockbuster shoot em out yeah then you've got her in space with the cannibal robots or whatever it was the one for the actual junket mm. and then she does a Henry James which there's okay cool great really want to see an American movie <laughs> cool so those are the four films I think get mentioned. No, there's some, there's some, there's some heft there. I think we can consider her a, a star. Oh, <laughs> uh, like the the one enjoyable bit of this film to me is uh, well, there, there's two enjoyable bits. One is uh, Dylan Moran's little cameo yeah. in a bookshop because, of course, bad books. Or was this before Black Boys? I think it might it have may been. have been before. Maybe this is where... Th this may be the reason we have Black Books. No. <laughs> you don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and hope <laughs> no. If um, nothing else, Notting Hill gave us Black Books. <laughs> and the other is the, the walk through the seasons shot, which does nothing other than tell you a year has passed. It is. I, it is a pretty scene. I do like that scene. It's it, it's genuinely well done. Um, it just <laughs> again, it does nothing, and it blasts this fucking what song's playing? Ain't no sunshine. 
Bill Withers. Yeah, so it just tricks your brain into being like, ah, oh, this is... And then you think about it and you're like, this added nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it did something. It made you realise that he should have moved on by now and he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you missed off my favourite scene in this whole movie and the best actor in this whole film. Oh, yes. I, I forgot. <laughs> it's the guy that plays the concierge or receptionist at the hotels that Anna Scott stays at, Julia Roberts. And the last scene is where Hugh Grant is trying to track down Julia Roberts and the receptionist decides to help him and they jump up and they give him a kiss on the cheek and then he goes. And then the little Chinese guy does it after and there is just a moment, there is just a beat of the guy's face (laughs) after this little Chinese man just grabs him and kisses him on the cheek of like, that was the best acting in that film. (laughs) It was, it was the, the strongest performance by far. It is just the best scene. Um, but but going back to the the worst scenes, as there are plenty of. Mm. Um, one note I put down is he laughed at the big shoes line. I don't care if you're some ancient cretin in 1999. <laughs> like that is like if you haven't heard that by the point you are at least thirty, like there's something wrong with your social life. <laughs> He's just being polite in that scene. He's got Anna Scott. She's having a hard time. She attempts a joke. Did you see how he laughs though? He's like... <laughs> he laughs like a man that wants to sleep with the woman that's in his house. <laughs> he sa- he laughs like a man who wants to try and not have sex again when people hear his <laughs> laugh. Yeah, no, that is an awkward scene. It's an awkward laugh. But the, 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 the whole chemistry, like... the. That's where you really notice it, is, like, they're meant to be, like, that's meant to be peak them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's what they wrote for peak them. That's what they've based this two-day-long relationship on. <laughs> is that one moment? Because when you big, get... Big shoes. Yeah, big shoes. She's funny. Like, honestly, <laughs> you get to the end of this film, and you have to, like, take a minute to be like, no, let's actually add this up. <laughs> they spend a total of, I think, two days in each other's presence. Mm. And that is it. In total. From all their little meetings, that's what it adds up to, is two days. And at the end of this film, she decides to emigrate <laughs> based <laughs> on those two days. Well, you know, she's just... She's just a boy standing in front of a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I I I'd forgotten that they repeat that fucking line. Yes, they do. And like, no one cringes. No one cringes in in this whole fucking movie universe at this line. And like, it's it's aired to like a good ten people by the end, right? Yeah. Like, that is a horrible fucking line. Yeah, for a delivery from an actress as well. So poor. <laughs> no, it's just cringe. I mean, like, obviously, people took the, the rip the shit out of that for ages after anyway. Right, when you like watch so. it back, it's so cringy. That's it. It was like a whole fresh cringe. Like, because I remembered the line. I remembered hating the line. I turned to you when the line was uttered, and we were both like, Ugh. Ugh. and then they fucking within like two minutes they say it again. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, go and get her. Honestly, that would be me telling my friends never to go near that person again. (laughs) Not encouraging them from this line, she is the love of your life. It's so cringy. 
Um, speaking of where the, that first line takes place, um, was was a travel bookshop a viable business even in 1999? No. <laughs> no. No. That's why it's failing. Because <laughs> no one needs a bookshop purely based for travel books. Talk about fucking supply and demand. If every single day you're having people come in and asking if you sell Dickens, maybe just get a, like a little pile of Dickens. Well, this is what I mean. They, they, they. That whole framing of that scene is that this guy's meant to be an idiot. But in my opinion, if you've got people coming in and wanting to buy Dickens, and you're sitting there being like, "No, we only sell travel books," you're the fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not making any money. The guy wants some Dickens. Sell him some Dickens. Yeah. Give the man his dickens. Give the people what they want. <laughs> Jumping back to, to Hugh Grant's twattery. Um, him him saying the word bloke had a, 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 an almost Boris Johnson level of falseness to it. Yeah. Like, it was... It, it made me want to, like, crawl out of being a bloke. It's just like that word that everyone that's ever been to like Eton or or Cambridge or Oxford—they can't fucking they can't say, say it. it. They can't fucking do it. And they think it's the way to the common man is to say bloke. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bridge between them, and it's just like I'm sure they've just no. seen that fucking <laughs> the, the Bill Bailey bit where he asks, uh, "Are there any men in tonight?" And he gets a very soft response. He goes, "All right." I- how about any blokes? And he has a way stronger response, and he, he he concludes that men just have an easier time like identifying as a bloke, yeah, than they do as a man, because man is, is has a lot of pressure to it. Yeah, bloke is like oh, no one's keys gonna, on me. Yeah, no one's gonna expect much. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you want to live. <laughs> the answer to a man, they might expect you like put together a shelf or something. <laughs> Like fucking, they'll lift up the hood of their car, and you're like, "Oh God, <laughs> no!" I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, Hugh Grant, on the other hand, saying "bloke," fuck off. You're a failed man, but you are not a bloke. <laughs> you, you don't get to you. You clearly have been like trying to be a man all this time. Trying. Trying and failing, maybe, but trying. Trying. <laughs> like, it's just it's the way it's there. You got to say bloke with some conviction, and he just doesn't have that in his voice. That's it. He's too fucking fithering and dothering. <laughs> <laughs> he is a fitherer. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of these sort of blokes. It's like, oh god, fuck off. <laughs> you, you, you are not. You should be barred. You should be barred from using this word. You're not a bloke. It's our word. Well, it worked for Anna Scott. <laughs> Americans. I told you. Also, like, side note. We, we were watching Adam uh, Adam Richmond's... <laughs> he, he did a little series of videos on YouTube where he, uh, he reviewed biscuits. But, like, English, proper, proper like, British biscuits. Like, rated them for dunkage. Like, which okay, fine, but then if you're not putting fucking milk in the tea when you're trying to like emulate a proper English dunk, then what the fuck is wrong with you? But not even that. That I could excuse, right? 
But there was one of these where he's on a flight to Turkey and he uses what is clearly like green apple Turkish tea and puts milk in it and uses that as the dunkable tea. And I'm like, no, that is blasphemy. (laughs) That is actually, it hurt me to see it. And I can't believe that anyone that watched that in his team let him put that out. You shouldn't be dunking biscuits in that kind of tea anyway, no, right? Like it's but not. But don't a... add milk. Like it's just all wrong, all wrong, 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 wrong. But like, and evidently Anna Scott also believed that. That's that. That's just what your, your typical English bloke does. Apparently. Oh God, <laughs> is that how lauded, fucking you know, the 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 posh fithering, dithering English man is in America, where they could, like, for the UK, they, they've put, like, a film star who's fucking known the world over and is this sex symbol, blah, blah, blah. Not Julia Roberts, but, you know, <laughs> that's what she's written as, right? And then the equivalent is just some fucking guy <laughs> who runs a shit business and fithers and dothers. And that's all they need. Apparently so. There was a there was a, a a love of this type of character in the late nineties. I think it all started with Colin Firth and Mr. Darcy, and it just escalated. But I don't think now you'd it would get as much like the doddery middle class English guy is no longer a sex symbol. I don't believe. I don't think we've seen that for a while. Maybe that's part of the, the attempted point, right? Because mm. Notting Hill, like obviously, it's been gentrified as shit now. Mm. But, like, then <laughs> was not, like, a super nice part of London or anything, like... No. And, like, don't get me wrong, the gentrification made it worse, because that's what gentrification does. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, a fucking... It was not a glitzy, glamorous place. No. It wasn't at all. And it, this film has a lot of to blame for the gentrification of Notting Hill, but... Well, this is my main issue going back to the fucking... The voiceover narration is that it tries to paint it like it's a it's, it's a storybook. It's somewhere out of a, a travel guide. No, a, <laughs> a fairy tale. God, why do you sell fucking travel guides? God knows. It, like you said, <laughs> even then, that was not... It was never a viable business. Let's be completely honest. Someone should have talked him out of that. His accountant should have had a word. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, no, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts together, not the greatest chemistry. The love story in itself is not much of a love story when you rewatch it. It's there is not, nothing there. Nothing there is there. no love at all. But having said that, they do have a great love story in that film. They do. And it's, it's Hugh Grant's best friends, who actually is quite touching. Like, there is a moment, and I remember, like... I mean, isn't it technically his brother and his ex? <laughs> no, they're his friends. Oh. It's not his brother. Okay. They were his friends. They were just his best friends. So it was his best friend was the guy originally, if you if you watch that scene. And then Hugh Grant was dating, I think it's Gina. Wheelchair lady. Well, yeah, wheelchair lady. Um, and then she dumped him for his best friend, which was Tim McKinnaway. Yeah. And then they continued to be very good friends. I mean, yeah. And, and they actually have like a, a nice, like loving, tender, normal, relationship. honest relationship. Um, and the scene where he carries her up where they're sitting there bitching to each other and and he just picks her up and carries her upstairs. And I always... That is such a sweet moment of, like, actual genuine love. 
mm. of what makes up the day to day of being in love with someone. Whereas they've never even everywhere. spent any time together. Like the first time they're in a house and one of them has to take a shit, that romance has gone. <laughs> that relationship is based on absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, let's not let's not try and down talk taking a shit. But that relationship is is based on both people having absolutely no one actually in their lives anymore. Yeah. Moving on to their friends, though, another note I have down is uh, Hugh Bonneville looks younger in this than Hugh Bonneville has ever actually been. <laughs> He's a baby in He's this. He's so little. He's a teeny tiny baby in this. He's just like the chubbiest little thing. <laughs> He's easy. He, he looks like he has a face you want to grab. Yeah. He has a face 100%. you want to... Like like an old auntie or a nan, just like, grab the cheek. Yeah, I have one of those faces. I feel for him. <laughs> it's a burden that not many people carry, and it's not fun. But he does have one of those cheeks that you just want to pinch the fuck out of. You do. Yeah. Like, it's, it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's unfair on him. Probably, but fuck it, I don't care. I mean, he's, he's made a career out of it, it's fine. Hugh, you're getting pinched. <laughs> oh, got little cheeky cheeks. He has got the proper just cute little cheeks. And yeah, and he's he he was born middle-aged, to my knowledge. Yeah, no, he came out of his mum 42. Yeah, so he, like, it's wrong seeing him here. Yeah, you just have to separate a bit from Hugh Bonneville, because it's not Hugh Bonneville. It's not. It's not. It's baby Bonneville. It's like he should have a separate IMDb page, a separate acting stem <laughs> as as Baby Bonneville. <laughs> uh, speaking of actors' looks, uh, Reese Fans isn't dissimilar to a ferret. No, not at all. He's, he's very, very squirrely. He is. He's he, he's all right in this. Yeah. No. Again, I haven't watched this film in a really long time, and like I liked it. Like, I loved it. Wanted the whole Notting Hill romance thing going on. And then in this, I'm like, why am I attracted to Risa Fans as the only viable character in this? <laughs> because you're dating me. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the the wearing down has already begun. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's a very ferrety man. Um, he is. But, he, like, I praise him because ultimately as a character it's not that like well written or comedically no. written or anything there's he nothing just, in there he worked with it he's able it. to carry it despite that because beyond beyond what he really brought to it it's just as like a, a shit Welsh flatmate yeah there is nothing more to that and actually a shit flatmate as well like he's not he's not a nice character based purely on what he does or what he says <laughs> yeah. but you know, he makes it charming and the heights in the right place. <laughs> yeah, like m- maybe it's partially just a, a Richard Curtis thing of no one may be not charming. Yeah. To some degree. Awkward attempt, at the very least. Speaking of awkward attempts, uh, Hugh Grant thinks good acting is talking more stilted. <laughs> Which he does. Uh, like maybe he's changed his ways now, but at least in this. He's so like stuttery and, and and mincing, mangling over his words that when it comes to the emotional points, he just slows down. Yeah, the longer what... the pause, the more emotional the He's scene. He's been doing for the entire fucking film. It's like fucking Professor Quirrell. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> 
Like, he can't get a sentence out for love or money. It's painful to watch. But you, that I think that's it. You know it's an emotional, like, pivotal scene when it's taking five minutes for you, Grant, to get his line out. <laughs> that's why the third act's quite long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually only a ten-minute film if you just compress it down. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the many, many pauses of Hugh Grant. If they allowed jump cuts in fucking feature films, this... <laughs> It'd be 12 minutes 50 in total. <laughs> oh, uh, the, they put the two token quirky people together I was coming at the back end. to this, yeah, Reese fans. Who is, like... And I want to say Emma something or other. Oh, God, we're going to have to Google this. I feel bad. I don't remember her name. And I can't believe I didn't realise it was a woman from Vicar of Dively. How did I not know that? It's like Emma or Alice. But I feel like Alice is her name in Vicar of Dively. Emma Chambers. Emma Chambers. There we there go. There we go. Was was that just the thing in in, in films in the nineties? Like, ah, oh, we'll just we'll just tuck these two fucking freaks off together at the Pretty end. Much. And this this felt about as earned as putting fucking Eowyn with Faramir. Eowyn didn't deserve that. It was just this one scene in Notting Hill where. Emma Chambers' character turns around to Reese fans and she gives this whole speech, like, to everyone else first and is just like, oh, I've met this guy, I really like him a lot, I think it's going to be serious. And then she just turns around to Reese fans and be like, oh, it's you. Now, in any normal circumstances, that woman is a fucking psycho. That's it, you back away, you yeah. don't, don't tell her where you live. Yeah, but he's like, cool. <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. Get on with that, then. <laughs> but yeah, it's just because they are the... The only ones left after the normies have paired up. The normies have all paired up. And as we all know, those are all incredibly strong and stable and Hugh Grant. You know, what? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the key takeaway, I think, from this. Like, I can't, cannot fucking get over how mismatched they seem and how not fun to be around they seem like they would be. Yeah, that, that is true, actually. Having watched this, like, for it to be a romantic comedy, none of these people were funny. Like, as in, even the, the characters themselves, not the situation or the dialogue, just... They all seemed so boring. Mm. And bland and vanilla. There was nothing... Yeah, this circle of friends was not something you'd want to be a part of. No one has any wit. No. Like, Hugh Grant, William, definitely doesn't. But you'd at least expect that some of the others would be a bit more... They have some stank to them, some character. The lady in the wheelchair, whose character we can't remember, I think she's the only one that's got a bit of bite about her. Or a brain. Yeah. The rest of them, like, when fucking Tim McHenry comes in, and he's, he's just fucking burning his... his Guinea fowl. That's it. And that's, that's his entire motivation in that scene. Yep. And then, like, there's just no funny or clever reveals, really. No, there's nothing. The, the, the closest bit they come to writing a joke in that scene is when Hugh Bonneville comes in and doesn't immediately recognise the film star Anna Scott. Yeah, which fair, from the looks of her films. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> and then they're all laughing about it later, like it was a joke. And it's, it's infuriating. Who the fuck are you, Richard Curtis? <laughs> Admittedly, we haven't. Well, I haven't seen uh, about time, which I believe. Is I him. really enjoyed about time. It is still the dithery Englishman, but it's pl- played by an Irishman, so maybe that's why there's a little bit of an edge to it. Is he Irish? Donald Gleeson? I don't know where he's actually from. 
Sometimes. I may be wrong. He might be. He might be. He might be. But yeah, maybe that would be more palatable. But the writing in itself is just so... Like, I, I, I know you like Love Actually. I but do, but it's I... fucking shit. I do, but in my defence, I only love it because... It's just, I don't like it as a film, I just like it as a comfort. Like, I'm so, it's like one you watch every year. I know it's not a good film. But no, none of the characters in it are any, like... Yeah, but there's lots of pretty pictures of London at Christmas. There's lots of characters, so you don't <laughs> have the time to, like, hate them all. And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> but yeah, so, what would you rate? <laughs> I oh, see it's gone down. I, I I did used to like this, but I'm gonna say like three tops, three out of five. Okay, I was gonna give it a five because it's there's a lot of worse. What are we going out of? Ten. Oh no, I was going out of five. Well, you can go out of five. I'm going out of ten. I'm gonna give it a five out of ten, and uh, it, there's there's a lot of worse movies. Only if they're more dull. Like this, at least keeps moving at a weird pace. And there's like Omid Jalili's there, so that's nice. <laughs> ever so briefly. That, that adds a star, and then um... <laughs> a whole star. Yeah. He wasn't even in it for a whole second. <laughs> like it, it's not as bland or as dull as it could be, but it's also not badly done enough to start bringing it back up into watchable. Yeah. Like it's not. <laughs> it's just bland. That's just it. It's just bland. Yeah. It's, it's toast. That's not true. I love toast. It's not toast. It's just bland. It's toast. No! Toast is great. Toast is good, but there's a lot of better food out there. You could be eating like unflavoured fucking noodle. Or like... The only way I can describe it is it's the kind of food that you know when you're feeling a bit sick and your stomach can't handle much. So you have toast or something kind of plain and simple but comforting. This is what this is in, in film form. When but you're just so having much... a bit of an emotional battering of a day, or you're not feeling all that great, you don't want anything too challenging, just put this on and it won't make you be sick. You say that, but that's why no one watches this film anymore, I think. Probably. Like, because nowadays, you know, like, everyone has their own personal little bland food, and most of them are better than this. Like, you'll watch... You watch a Bake Off or something like that. I watch yeah. like fucking Mythbusters or some fucking milk toast like documentary or some shit like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, no one has a need for this film anymore. No, it's true. And I I hate to say it because I, I do remember loving this when I was younger, but God, it was bland. I did want to give up halfway through. And that says a lot for you to be the one to be like. Should we fucking throw phone this in? <laughs> <laughs> Should we forget this one? Nine Hill. There you go. Cool. So, next up we watched uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which was your choice again. Because it was my choice, because... You fucking loved this movie and still the fuck do. <laughs> yeah, no. Having watched Notting Hill and being like, oh, that was disappointing. I rewatched this after many, many years and I was like, how the fuck did I forget how good this film was? <laughs> it was so good. I just... Maybe you need to come from, like... I don't know, a more traditional background, or like, I'm Turkish. I'm well, Turkish. Let's do, a, let's do a quick recap of the plot. Yeah. Because I, I feel like most people have seen both of these. I haven't seen this one, but yeah, we should probably have done uh, 
plot recap for the... <laughs> we're just assuming everyone's seen these. We're, we're assuming everyone's seen Notting Hill, but my big fat Greek wedding. So, the basic plot of this is a girl from a Greek Orthodox family living in a modern America. The world she's living in and the world that her family have kind of got themselves stuck in. Uh, anyone that comes from an ethnic background, I think, will identify with this a lot. Um, and then she starts to kind of branch out and she meets an American man that she then has to introduce to her family. That is the basic plot of this. There isn't much more to it. Yeah, a bit more background on her. She hasn't dated before, she's never... Yeah. Been, been with a man. I think my that is, is, is yeah, the implication. The implication there. This is her first relationship. She's thirty years old. In a lot of kind of ethnic backgrounds, if a woman's not married, she's not encouraged to date or have relationships. It's not something you really do. Maybe more so now, but this is again twenty years ago. But this is not. It's not really a rom com. It, it has those romantic moments, but it's not about their romance That's per it. se. There's, there's a relationship in it, but it, it doesn't function in the traditional rom-com sense. It is more about having a, a, a different national background or, or having yeah. immigrant parents who, who still keep their... their um, National pride, or like a, a, their identity, I guess. Heritage, pride the of their heritage. heritage. Yeah, um, yeah. It, like the start of the film is about the girls want for more than her family wants for her. Yeah, in their traditional mindset, like she hasn't gotten married, she doesn't have children, and they're kind of in their mind, there isn't anything else for her. That is what you should have done and you haven't done it. So now she's just working in her family's restaurant and that's all she can see for the foreseeable future. And yeah, it's basically how she takes steps to get out of that and how it reacts with her family. And it isn't a romantic comedy per se. No, not at all. It's it, like she gets into a relationship during it, but so does fucking Han Solo and Star Wars. It, it, it is more about her relationship with the outside world, with her own culture, and eventually with her dad is, is the key uh, part of it, really. And within that, the, the gender roles inherent within, like... Greek and, and... Turkish and... Well, a lot of more traditional backgrounds, I'd say. But yeah, it was good. It was, like... Like I say again, it didn't really have these massive swings of, like... Peaks and troughs of drama, because that isn't what it really was about. It isn't... Yeah. It isn't like a romantic comedy where you're waiting for the, like, the second act when they're going to fall out and then they have to make it up with each other and they have... Because it's not about that. The relation, Their relationship is actually... Solid. It's a good, yeah. healthy relationship that talks and communicates and all those good things. It's more about her coming to terms with her background and how she marries that with the person she is becoming. And I th yeah, I, I can't say to you how much I just empathised with this character <laughs> on a like he was making notes through all of these films. And yet I didn't want to wait till the end to notice these notes because I was like, see, do you understand now? Do you understand? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand? Well, my first note, and, and really the only one on, on this kind of a tip, was uh, I now understand slightly more of the crazy sounding shit you say sometimes. Yeah. Which I think is fair. It's yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it, it is different perspectives and, and ones that... Um, 
often more about pleasing some imagined form of family or, or, or respect for respect heritage and shit like that. Respect is the one that comes that, up a lot. Which I'm not a fan of in, in just the way I live personally. Like, happiness, like, genuine happiness should always be the end goal rather than of just, like, averted all the fires. Yeah. Um, so, but it definitely did paint in a lot more of... <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot of things I will say to you coming from like a Turkish Cypriot background where especially me at like almost 35 not being married that I say to you and you're like you are great. Even that yeah. is like... Yeah, but that that is the thing like to my family the fact that I'm 35 and not married it's like oh, she's you know, she's past her prime. <laughs> Like she's she's on the shelf kind of thing, and you you are crackerjack. <laughs> yeah, but now you've seen this. Now you understand. But just and so much more than that as well. So many crazy fucking little moments. It all got on late, and you don't want to eat past a, a certain points in time on some days. And I'm like, oh no, it's cool. I'll go, I'll go rustle myself up somewhere. And you're like, no, but I feel bad. Like why? Because <laughs> well, because you I, I haven't made you food. You're not eating. There's <laughs> <laughs> a line in here, and I can't remember what it is. But she just, ba- she says like, basically, I'm just meant to get married and make food for people for the rest of my life. And you both, you, we both looked at each other and just, because, yeah, like you come to my house, you get fed, you have food. Everyone in my house gets food. Everyone gets fed. <laughs> like you can't leave my house hungry. Like that isn't a thing. It was it was a moment with uh, Andrea Martin's character. I can't remember who says it to him. She's like, "Are you hungry? No. It's okay. I'll make some." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is literally that is my nene. You go to her house, and if you say you're not hungry, she's like, "Well, it's my grandmother." She'll be like, "No, no, no. I'll make you something. Just have something small. Just a little bit. It's fine. Just something. Just something small." In the end, you're just like, "Okay, give me any, just anything, anything, anything. I'll, t- I'll have it." <laughs> and um, yeah, just little moments through this. That you would just see me laughing and you'd be like, why? I don't understand. It's just, oh, it just pictures it. I just, these are my family gatherings to a T. And this is also why I wanted you to see it. Because I was like, you need to be prepared. We've been in lockdown for the majority of our relationship now. So we haven't had any big family gatherings on my side. There's been no weddings. There's been no engagements. There's been no Friday nights. It's not even like everyone in my family goes to my nana's on a Friday night. So that's like 28 people when it's all of us. Which is another part about this film because that sounds like, from my perspective, doing that is like a week you kind of miss out on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, but that's your time where you go Especially if you're in a job which allows for that kind of shit and you're not doing shift work. If you have Friday night available to you, that's when you're, you know, you're doing your main socialization of, like, you know, pals. But your your family, like, you not so much and your brother not so much, but your extended family will apparently all, or would all have been just at your nans every fucking week. And I'm like... And that's fairly familiar to a lot of ethnic backgrounds I guess like that's kind of what you do very they keep to their own in a, in a lot of ways and they like they do like they keep people around them that are familiar with their culture that understand their language because my nana and daddy don't speak the greatest of English they do they can speak it and they get along they've been here for like 50-60 years oh no I can fully understand why your grandparents do it 
on the other hand, by anyone ranking younger and younger ever so, <laughs> like, <laughs> also continues to do that when they could be out having, like... Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are the generations now that are, like, my cousins that are younger than me. They generally will... St- if they're young enough to be under their parents' control, they're at my nana's. If they're not... They may not be. Right. And then you have that period out when no one goes back and then as soon as you get married and you have children around, you're back at my nana's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how it goes. And I wanted you to have some kind of an understanding of what you're going to have to deal with. Like, well, just I, I, in, like, even if it's just a small dose. I, I, I did make some notes. Um, <laughs> because I like making notes when I watch a film. <laughs> <laughs> It's fun sometimes. The second note I made, uh, just in relation to the the guy in the relationship, is uh, he looks like Paul Rudd had sex with protein powder. <laughs> Which he does. Like, you watch the film yes. and it's... I it, do it, know exactly what you mean. He it's does. like Jim... It's like Paul Rudd had a, a, a baby with one of the Jim Tan laundry fuckers from, like, uh, <laughs> from Jersey Shore. And... <laughs> Does. There's no other way of like explaining it. Yeah, like I don't know. I, I know the guy's name is John Corbett, and he's also Aiden in Sex and City. If anyone's familiar with that, and he just got that kind of very, he he got caught in that thing of hippie kind of white guy in the late nineties. <laughs> he was the go-to for it. Oh, he doesn't seem hippie to me. He seems very like fucking uh, jock douche in this movie, at least. Oh, see, I didn't get Jock Douche in this at not, all. Not in character, but just in look. <laughs> like, that's what he looks like. He looks like a guy who'd be sat there, like, on, like, fucking Muscle Beach with, like, a fucking backwards cap on, a jumper tied around his neck, and no t-shirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that kind of dickhead. I don't know! See, maybe I only... Because I've only seen him in A, Sex in the City, where he is, like... The guy with the half undone shirt and the row of beads around his neck, kind of. Yeah, thing. surfer douche. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's not it, like that's not hippie. That's <laughs> hippies are dirty, man. Like hippies are. <laughs> hippies are dirty. They are by nature. It's fine, <laughs> but. <laughs> oh god, but yeah. So I wanted you to be like watching this with a mind to like picking up tips. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, now you say that, yeah, he definitely was like a puka shell cunt. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm intrigued at what your other notes are, because honestly, I I like this one. It was so familiar to me. (laughs) And like, the points that we're going to have to deal with, I know are coming. Well, my next, like, this this one isn't going to affect us really either. Dancing Zorba is, is the kind of name you give a restaurant in a really white suburb. Yes. <laughs> like, absolutely. holy shit. But like, you have to know it's Greek, therefore you call it Zorba's. <laughs> <laughs> like, you and I play a game whenever we happen to find ourselves out in, like, not not, not around London so much, because it's, it's generally pretty mixed, but, but definitely out in, in very white places. We do always have a fun game of looking at all the the food places. You can tell, like, a Chinese... Yeah. ...roughly where it is in relation to a big city based on the name. Yeah. If it's got any kind of lucky something in there, it's in the suburbs. Yeah. It's in a very white area. If, like, 
Masala is in the name of any kind of Indian. That's why. They need to be immediately distinguishable. <laughs> you need to know where you've got to go. Yeah, or like Rising Sun from yeah. Chinese. Or like, yeah. Yeah, whereas the, the further you go into cities, we generally seem to find it will be like a specific intricate dish or like something like that yeah. will be the basis more so. Um, Let's just take, for instance, the high street that we live on. You've got a, a, a Turkish restaurant, which if it, was, if it was in the deep, deep suburbs, would probably be called something like Istanbul Grill. <laughs> yeah. So you know it's a kebab house. Whereas here it's called Havet. And then you've got a Chinese, which as we said, in the suburbs it would be like Rising Sun or Lucky's Chinese. <laughs> Lucky, Lucky's Chinese. <laughs> yes. Whereas here it's called Sanchia. Yeah, or there was a one down the street called uh, Holok, and uh, yeah, but but dancing fucking Zorbas on the other hand is definitely, hey white America, don't get lost. <laughs> this is where you go for Greek food. <laughs> but even within like the setup of the film, it's like, hey white America, these people are Greeks. <laughs> I know you're in a film called My Big Fat Greek Wedding, but. Just so you know. Just gonna, like, steep that back on. They're Greek, okay? Just don't forget it. Greek. All the way through. <laughs> uh, speaking of the way people look, uh, the brother looks like he's had some kind of chin implant. <laughs> he has a shit ton of chin. There is a lot of chin there. But he has, he has masses of chin. He has masses of chin. It suits him. It, it goes him, with the but... like. I think it's to accentuate the gold necklaces around his neck, pointing <laughs> yeah. to it. Yeah, maybe it's like stage lighting where yeah. it looks bigger because of all the fucking. So the gold is like highlighting off the end of his shin. But it was it was definitely notable enough that I I put it down in my notes. It's like desperate Dan. <laughs> yeah, he's like the fucking crimson chin over here. Like... <laughs> See, you'd never really heard of Nia Vardolos that was the lead actress apart from being in this really had you no I know she was in a, a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend yeah it's like a cameo very briefly yeah but generally speaking no I, like, I, I can't think of anything let, let me look her up let me see I'm also going to make you watch my Big Fat Greek Wedding too. <laughs> why because what, what why because. have you seen it is it good I've seen it I don't remember if it's good that's not uh, <laughs> Oh, is there my big fucking reading three? There was a TV show that ran for one year <laughs> and was rated 4.6 out of 10. Okay, I won't make you watch that. The, the continued adventures of the Portocarlos family from My Big Fat Greek Wedding, starting from when Nia and her husband returned from their honeymoon. So just <laughs> to move into the house next door to her parents. That was, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump through my notes quickly, but holy shit, no. <laughs> Again, maybe this is a background thing, but I have said to you in the in the past that if we had enough money and we had like a huge house and some outbuildings. I would quite happily have your parents living in our outbuildings. I would have my parents living in our outbuildings. I would have neither. If we had <laughs> enough money, I would be moving our house as far possibly on land that I could away <laughs> from where they lived. 
And I love my parents. I I really do. But if that if if it was one or the other, it would be further away. No, they will be living in our garden at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Just got some fucking gypsies moved in. <laughs> it's nice. You can see them when you want. You've always got babysitters. Always someone there to watch the house. No. <laughs> in in no. In no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, my mum's my family all lives in... <laughs> with, within a certain area. My dad's family has been intentionally spread out as nearly as far as you can get from each other within the country in straight lines. Um, <laughs> See, my, my, all of my, my dad and his siblings, and apart from my dad now... The majority of his siblings and my grandparents and their grandchildren all live within a mile of each other. Horrifying. Maybe a mile and a half, but yeah, no, nothing more than that. A mile. <laughs> Literally. See, that's... I don't want that. <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> like, I, I love my family, but... It, it It's nice not to have them, like, especially like on the same road would be awful <laughs> genuinely awful we're not doing that <laughs> I can promise you <laughs> but yeah no I did think that bit at the end as soon as that came up I saw you scribble a note <laughs> in your phone <laughs> yeah like I, I cannot fucking imagine a world where I would want that <laughs> I, I wouldn't want that with my own family like anyone else's you know what I mean like <laughs> no they, 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 you should have some space <laughs> it should be a, like space space <laughs> well like w me and you started dating mainly because we were living next door to each other oh thanks Jesus it was location <laughs> you worked <laughs> location wise it worked how the fuck else were we gonna meet <laughs> but what happened then is that like every single day since we met basically mm -hmm. or properly met has been spent well was spent either in each other's houses or and then we moved in together pretty fucking quickly all things considered after that yeah I mean we say moved in it was pretty much we lived in each other's house yeah from day dot we just had two houses to live in yeah and, and that worked for us um but that's that's special <laughs> That's special, and it's a thing that I don't think can be uh, recreated, so we shouldn't try. <laughs> and swiftly moving on, apparently. <laughs> Next, they had uh, by a family restaurant. Do they mean to dine there? You have to either already be a part of their family or subsequently become one. Because that is the truth for every single person you see in that fucking diner. Yeah, you, you take this as a joke, but that is generally how it works. If it's like that kind of... <laughs> community as soon as you open a business that is your clientele and that's who you're relying on is <laughs> the people you know if it's not your family it's extended family or people you know from the community but like this poor fucking guy right he dines in there once and suddenly now he's he's, he's getting married, married to in. the daughter <laughs> that's how it works you have to be married to them you want family discount be part of family <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, but even just, like, 
Where, where is it set? Jersey? Chicago, I believe. Okay. It says there. Yeah, there's other people there. So even if they just occasionally had an extra, like, wander in and, you know, just sit there at the table. There are occasionally. I'm sure if you look at that other background scenes, there's people in there somewhere. I tried. <laughs> yeah, no, the only two outsiders that did come here, none of them married, ended up married into the family, so yeah. And I'm presuming the other, the other guy was at the fucking wedding. He was, and getting ironed up by one of the cousins, so there you go. <laughs> there you go, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> like... <laughs> That is not a sustainable fucking business plan. <laughs> He's worked for them. He's bought a nice house. Uh, next note uh, was the dad is mainly made up of circles. He's a very He's circular so squishy, man. man. <laughs> he was squishy. Yeah, it's but... like all the circles got put on top of each other and then just weight compressed them down. Mm. So now he's just little squeegee man. Yeah, he looks like fucking Pom Pom from Homestar Runner. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just got this little squishy little head. And, like, he's, he's made entirely of marshmallow. He is. <laughs> I could just imagine that if he's that person, you would just put your finger in his arm or something. It would just stay there indented. It wouldn't come back out. I feel like you could write stuff on him with fridge, fridge magnets. I am poking you while I say this. <laughs> just because I want to. Uh, something that you could talk more about uh, the, the term the family used as a phrase of doom yeah I mean this is right okay so I love my family and we all love each other very much <laughs> and we are in each other's company a lot and that is great and terrifying in equal measure like these people are always there for you but these people are always there <laughs> <laughs> Is the only way I can describe it. I mean, <coughs> me less so. Like I'm kind of, not the black sheep of the family, but I'm kind of the the, the black the, sheep of the family. The weird 35 year old leaving with her Encino boyfriend. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's just the 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 comfort that is given, the support, but also the strangulation, the judgment, suffocating of any hopes or dreams that you see, you witness in in the main character's brother in this. You do. And it's so subtly done, but you can just see him dying slowly inside. A plot point that, by the way, never gets resolved. It does. He goes to college at the end. Oh, he does. He, he does. does. He goes to college at the end because he wants to become an artist. But just that, like, if you, if you don't follow what is considered the norm, it's a very difficult, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Well, it's more just the idea of, like, the everyone is equally part of the unit and outside of the unit at the same time on yeah. their own terms. But no one can see anyone else as being like that unless you're especially close. And so it just becomes this, this fucking, like, amorphous horde that you're, is going to judge you and you have to try and, like, <laughs> protect yourself from. Yeah, and you have to manoeuvre through and kind of negotiate... And it's all very tense. Like the big, big family. Um, where it's, I can say the extended family as well, when it's a whole house full of people. It's not just a room full of people. Um, and it'll be all these second cousins twice removed that your, your nan really cares about what they think and yet you have no idea who they are. <laughs> or what their names are. Whereas that's... That's where I'm at, it, it, like, coming from my background, like, unless my mum or dad thinks something, I do, like, 
Not only do I not give a fuck, but I don't have to either. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, my aunt or uncle, and I, I presume they think everything's cool with me, but if they had their judgments, they don't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can have them all you want, but the idea that you're going to say them and it's going to fucking mean anything to anyone is, like, an, a completely crazy idea. Yeah. I mean, what was the other scene that I kind of think demonstrates that as well is when she goes to her fiancé and pulls him out of his class that he's a teacher and is just like, can we please just elope? Can we please just leave, run away, don't have the big party, don't have all that? Because it is just this weird melding of two worlds and collision course. It just doesn't... I don't know if you don't come from that background that it just doesn't work. It's like oil and water, it's just in your brain, it's just like, how is that ever going to work of like, my family and then my friends with, like, it's all, and I just was like, yeah, no, I completely understand why she wanted to elope. Because <laughs> you love your family individually, but en masse, it's a lot of different people and it's a lot. <laughs> but that's why you just, you know, you, you, you don't try and make trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try and make trouble, stay very quiet, stay in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, like, uh, it's always just this presumed doom that I always laugh at with you and in this film. <laughs> because I'm like, I, I, I come from a place with, I'm gonna push until I get told no, and then I won't. <laughs> because I've been told no. <laughs> Whereas you don't want to get told no. <laughs> I don't deal well with being told no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd rather not hear it. So you don't even try and, like, do the push? Yeah, no. I, I don't know how to explain it. That's why I wanted you to watch it. Just little things, like having to explain all of their names and what the different, like, honorifics are for every one person. And But it's like, it's like the trans stuff, right? And, like, or like non-binary, perhaps, more so. But it... All of this stuff is easy enough to pick up <laughs> Yeah. if you're not a complete dumbass. Like, it's very easy to be like, okay, they, and I'm sorry if I fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Or like, like you, you know, I know fucking Hala means aunt, talking yeah. Turks, but and Amjur is uncle and fucking... If it's on your dad's side, yeah. Cool. But... <laughs> it's dire if it's on your mum's side. But I... You, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> you're, you're half Turkish, so it's all been Amja. <laughs> yes, true. I only have to know your Amja side. <laughs> no, but then my dad's got dyers. And you'll need to know them because they're my great dyers. It's so cocky. <laughs> it's all very, like, it's it's learnable shit. Yeah. It's not, it, it's not a moment of like, oh my god, they're gonna freak out. <laughs> Which uh, I, it, it is part of this movie as well. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like they are such genuine. Her family are such lovely people. Mm. Like they are genuinely lovely people. They care about each other. They support each other. In some ways, and <laughs> and yet, on a whole, it is this terrifying. Like cause because there's so many expectations so, and and they're so insular. Yeah. <laughs> like. The way that anyone in in the family in the movie, to a degree in yours, 
is able to break out and date at all is surprising. Because, it, it like, other than that, it's so, like, okay, we're going to take a walk with fucking your auntie and we're going to fucking go around your granddad's on fucking Saturdays and we're going to fucking... <laughs> Where do you find time to meet anyone else? <laughs> your grandparents set it up. <laughs> <laughs> not like that now yeah like I think mine was the last generation of kind of those clinging on to that kind of thing it's not that shit trying to be pushed yeah it's not that anymore but if you've come from that background especially from my age and upwards you will recognize it you will understand it and that is why this was like the sleeper massive surprise box office hit that it was I think. It was huge. I remember hearing about this movie even as a however the fuck old I was when it came out. Yeah. But it was huge. And it was not supposed to be. I think that's what it is. It was just this little movie that no one had heard of and there was no one in it that anyone had heard of. (laughs) And it just was fucking huge because there were all these people like recognizing everything in there well the one break like I, I presume she'd been in stuff before this but the breakout star for me was fucking andrea martin because i love her she's great i don't know the name she's um uh, the auntie yeah and she's in good news or great news whichever show that is the the one that tina fey produced i don't think i've seen that but yeah she she she's fucking great yeah like she is that Hers were the moments that you caught me laughing at the most. Yeah. Because there are so many great aunts I recognised in her, just amalgamated into this one amazing character. The one where she sits down, there's a scene where she sits down and she's talking to the the fiancé's parents, who are very, you know, Protestant American country club people. Vegetarian. Yeah. And she just starts off with this truly horrific tale about her sibling that she swallows in the womb <laughs> and then just goes eh let's have a drink that is so typical of so many great arts I know where they're just always talking about their woes and their health problems and like eh no I'm dying I'm dying this week no I ain't got no time left <laughs> it's coming I feel it's coming and like you just oh it's brilliant I'm gonna be gone yeah you gone boy sorry <laughs> but yeah she's fucking great um the, the, the whole cast does... I, I don't think anyone stands out as bad. No. Like, I really, watching the, this the, now, the, loved this movie more than I remembered. The white man is a bit bland. The fiancé. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's meant to be. That's kind of the point of him. He's meant to be supportive and great and lovely, which he is in this. You can't deny it. Like, he's yeah, pretty no, he's, fucking he's steadfast. Fine, he's, he's a good just, guy. He's just quite bland. But that's that's what he's meant to be. It's not about him. Um, what other notes do I have? <laughs> uh, want some meat? <laughs> it was a frequently offered thing in this fucking movie. And uh, it, the, the, the type of meat was never specified. Lamb at one point was, because it will be lamb. What do you mean you don't eat no meat? <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, no, you don't. It's chicken or lamb, generally. It's okay, nah. I do some lamb. Yeah, I do some lamb. Because that's not meat, it's fine. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you want some meat? Yeah, I have some meat. Give me meat. Meat. Just hunk of meat. Um, <laughs> she Sandy from Greased herself to go to, to college. Because <laughs> at the start of the movie, she, she's just meant to look like a, like a, a dowdy kind of... Frumpy. Yeah. No kind of, no character about her, I think is what, she does nothing to make herself stand out in any way. Yeah. She's got these big glasses on, like, fucking hairs all, all flat and frizzy at the same time. Everything is beige. There's very little, like, self, um, like, vain self-care, I guess. You could label it as, or, like, appearance-based yeah. self-care. You can tell she just wants to blend into any situation she is a part of. Because that's the easiest way not to get spotted. Or judgement be placed on you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then... The, the part, part of the plot involves her going to, to college to study computing and uh, to <laughs> to prepare herself for, for college she sandy from greases herself and yeah. that's basically act one yeah she plucks she does her hair she gets she it all curled up spritzed up and, and she gets some new clothes on and that's it she's good to go she glowed up jingany jing did you <laughs> Oh, I, I, you, you mock, but I remember, what was it I found the other day? And it was my ID card from when I was at college. Mm. And I was my early Vardala stage of life. Where <laughs> <laughs> plucking had not occurred to me yet. <laughs> my hair was always in a bun. I kind of wore the biggest, baggiest clothes that I could find. <laughs> and then I glowed up. I did a Sandy over 15 years and they did it within first 15 minutes of the movie yeah. <laughs> and like it's such a it, it's a real look because she, she's yeah it's a very like early 2000s greek girl yeah sandying but <laughs> i just had that thought when i was watching it of like oh that's <laughs> that took a whole musical to get to <laughs> Just her putting on some lip gloss and plucking her eyebrows. Because <laughs> yeah. she does nothing major in this. She doesn't do anything like. She just puts some clothes on and does her hair. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she, she puts her contacts in as well. She, she does put her contacts in, yeah. But no, it definitely was meant to be a, a, a big old makeover moment. Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm striding out on my own, got my, got my good, good hair on. She's Becky with the good hair now. She is. Becky. She's Becky with the good hair. Uh, next note was the limo looks like a cake. And it did look like a fucking cake. It did. I wanted to eat it. If you're on YouTube right now, I'll put in a picture of the cake. Of the limo. And... <laughs> of the limo cake. The cake limo. But it, it was so much like a cake. And like, oh man, there was some real tacky shit in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, it was like a fucking Michael Bay movie version of fashion. It was, you know, it was just schlock, but schlock in places that you don't usually get schlock. I don't know. I I just thought that was very indicative of it of its time. It was very early noughties fashion. Maybe I was too young to take note. You were. Now shut up and move on. <laughs> Uh, the white mum looks like she's gonna sneeze and become a skeleton. <laughs> it's, 
the driest woman ever. She is. <laughs> yeah, she was corpsey. Mm-hmm. She was very, very she corpsey. She was kindling. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. it. It looked like all it was going to take was a sneeze and she was going to join the other side. You know what I mean? Like... This woman did not look healthy. I think that's what there was like the contrast between obviously the main character's mum who is just this big bosom, bountiful, wants to feed you every meat possible, larger than life Greek mother. Mm. And then you've got the country club vegetarian, survives on gin and antidepressants. Yeah. Kind of vibe. (laughs) Yeah, no, like... Her skin looked like it had been sewn on, but, like, well done. By a very well-respected surgeon. Yeah, like, they'd, they'd hidden all the fucking joins well enough, <laughs> but it, it, it was just you'd been... You'd applied it to a skeleton, like a coat of paint. <laughs> it's fine. She gets some sake in her in the end of it, and it revives her. It clubs <laughs> her up again slightly. She, she does look ill before that, though. Mm. She does look incredibly ill. Yeah. But, yeah... Oh, really? A very. Uh... I loved it. There, I cannot t- tell you enough. I kind of want to watch it again. I giggled through the whole thing. You were fucking howling at certain yeah, points. Because you just. I can't put it in words as to why it just hammers home and just rings so true. If you. Like, being. Because the first time I saw it, I was around 15, I think. Maybe a little bit older. I can't remember exactly. Mm. And it was that time where I was like not satisfied with like no you can't do anything to you married blah 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 because that was still kind of a, a thing for me and I just empathised with her so much and now I'm like look at me now with my living boyfriend <laughs> you fucking heathen I know my younger living boyfriend you <laughs> I'm a cougar <laughs> you are a cougar <laughs> I loved it but that's it it's but it's not, like we said, it's, it's not a rom-com, which I wasn't expecting and probably led to me enjoying it more. Um, because it, it it didn't just hang on that same bullshitty structure. Yeah, it wasn't about, oh, they're going to make up, then they're going to break up, then there's going to have to be a grand declaration at the end. I sh- I'm, dude, I'm sure that like the fucking... The, the structure of rom-coms has led... To so many shitty relationships being attemptedly extended mm. because you think, oh, you know, like this we're fighting, be- but you know, it's it's like, and it's only been a month, but you know what? I love him. Yeah, <laughs> this happens. This is just our tricky point. Yeah, and it's like no, it's, it should be easy, and it should like go, like even if you have fucking. There's road bumps in the road to like get over. It shouldn't be hard. Mm. It should be pretty fucking easy if it's if it's the right thing for you. And it, like that's what I appreciated out of this movie, maybe more than more than anything else, is that someone told a story like that. Again, it, it wasn't really about that. No. It was more about the dad, if anything, I'd say. He had he had the more most complete like character arc, but yeah. even he just fucking like he's he's fussy and he's fucking like a, a little ill-tempered towards certain ideas. But by the end, he's just like, "Yep, you're fucking you're one of us, bitch. <laughs> you're one of us now. <laughs> you're, you're fucking in this family, cunt. 
he he just comes around, you know. What I mean, yeah. there's no. And that's ultimately what normally happens. There is like that's it. It's a it's a nice gesture. There's no grand fucking thing that has to happen to him. He just fucking like. Mm. Although he does buy them a house, that's a pretty big gesture. It's a pretty good gesture. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd appreciate that gesture. <laughs> but there he goes. He's 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 on board of mm. that. I can understand for some people that being a detriment to the movie. Oh, I don't, yeah. I mean, I can, but I, I don't. I don't. But I, yeah, it, like sometimes stuff stuff doesn't have to go to like rigid structure to work. It can just help stuff work. And if it's working on its own, then fucking you've done it. Well done. Don't have to like cower and add in all this false drama on top of that. Yeah. I am tempted to watch the TV program. Good luck finding it. <laughs> oh. I feel like it's gonna be one of those. Yeah, probably. But yeah, I'd, I'd rank this as. Uh, I'll give it. Seven and a half out of ten. I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I'm being. Like, I'm the not amount give it a you 10 out of squeed 10. through it, you would be. It, like, I'd object to you giving it anything less than that. Yeah, no, nine out of ten all the way. <laughs> I. Literally laughed from beginning to end. You had laughing tears in your eyes I and did. shit. And we're gonna have to wrap it up there for now. We talked so much about the other two, we've got a whole extra fucking podcast out of it. So thank you if you made it this far, and we will see you next time for more love films. Baz Lerman's Romeo Plus Juliet and Whisper of the Heart. Bye.